you're listening to the Consequential Podcast. You look fucking beatific. I am very calm. It's the nature sounds and the ticking clock that we can't eliminate from the soundtrack. Would you like me to put it in another room? Uh, No, you would also have to murder quite a lot of starlings for it to actually uh, be resolved. So let's not bother with that. Deployed protocol 12. This one is Roger and the other one is Lucy. Hi. And I'm Dave. And we're going to talk about comics. Specifically sci-fi comics. Are we really? Yes. Oh, golly. We're also going to drink wine and I'm eat not. snacks. Well, no. But you're going to have grapefruit juice. Grapefruit juice? It's watermelon. It's, it's watermelon. Pinky orange. It's, grapefruit it's, juice it, is the devil's bullshit. You have a puce yeah. juice. That's that's the, the sort of juice I associate with, with that colour. Puce juice. You have a puce juice. Yes. Is that your rapper name? Yes. <laughs> It would be pretty appropriate. Yes. I'm kind of puce. I'm a kind of just disgusting orangey pink colour. You got that way from drinking too much Sunny Delight in the 90s. Yeah. I was talking about this the other day. I, I didn't ever drink it and now it's basically gone. No, it's come back. It. Hasn't it come back? I think it stays you a comeback. I don't know. I don't spend a lot of time in, the in parks section. with teenagers. <laughs> when, I was, um, when I was at prep school there was this like E-numbers and additives and American imports food panic that swept the middle classes and there was an edict handed down that it it, it read something along the lines of we've not seen anyone drinking this sunny delight but rest assured that you will not be allowed to my parents had some kind of um you know what what's the deal about e-numbers and why are they poisoning all of our children type of book that they Mm -hmm. bought because apparently I was like I was sensitive to like one food additive as a child and so they they got on that whole bandwagon. But I, I drank a lot of Sunny Delight the summer that I had the worst bronchitis that my doctor had ever seen. Okay, did it, it all or after? It was the summer the Phantom Menace came out. Oh, so God, you're really thing, young. A lot of things were wrong. Oh, God. I was, what was I, like 16, 17 when that happened? It was 1999. Oh, Christ. I'd like, I was um, 10 years old. I'd like to reassure our listeners that we're not just trying to start a fight with another provider of soft drinks. Um, I don't... I don't know. Fucking bring it, Sunny D. I want their merchandise less. Yeah. Actually. And the bottles were really naff. Yeah. They looked like... I don't know what they looked like. They looked weirdly like surgical... Medical. Like really weirdly medical. The stuff that the big jug that you have to drink before you have a colonoscopy. That kind of jug. I haven't had one. I've just seen the jug. Yeah, I've never had that on camera. I've not had one either. New podcast. Consequential team have a colonoscopy. (laughs) (laughs) Let me talk you through the fascinating gut voyage. Do we need to record it live, or is it just a? Is it? It's a retrospective. Oh. (laughs) This notionally being a podcast about comics. (laughs) Rather, rather than your genitals and half-remembered soft drinks from the nineties. <laughs> Although we do also do that podcast. Yes, we do. That's that's our promise to you. We do do that podcast. What have you been reading, Lucy? What have you been reading? I am caught up on Gunner Creek Court, if you will. Won't. No. No. Okay. No. Not allowed. Uh, I've been I'm planning glad. that joke for like at least a week and a half. I've got a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> How is Gunner Creek Court? Oh, it's not great. (laughs) Isn't it shined at the moment? It reads like bad fan fiction, and I don't say that. It is its own fan fiction. What was the Friends thing about? Yes, I don't know. The trouble. I didn't mind the bit on the boat. 
I think the trouble is it's it's the it's the same thing that we've talked about with uh, questionable content having person creates little universe and then ends up falling so in love with it they endlessly riff off it rather than pushing mm. the story on. I mean, it's been going for ten years now. I've been reading it for six of those and. If you've been in this game for 10 years, you are, have been waiting a decade for not a lot of payoff. Yeah. And that's kind of... You don't really get that in any other media. No, it's the only thing that's happening now is the dad's showing up and he's being an arsehole. It's not really a natural lifespan for a story, um, let alone one written by one person. It's, it's like the run of the show Friends, except that was a sitcom that went through multiple sort of plot arcs. A lot happened in ten years in Friends. Not all of it good or well executed, but... It's also something else I completely ignored. Well, fair. I watched a little bit of it, but I watched a lot of bad TV in the 90s. We've got to stop talking about the 90s. We've got to focus on the now, the we here can't. and now. The 90s owns us. Yeah. Not like phonogram bad, but quite bad. Temporary tattoos and those little wire elastic necklaces. Butterfly hair clips. Mascara. Oh god, hair mascara was terrible if you had curly hair and nobody really told me that so I ended up uh, just like yanking uh, a lot oh of god. my hair. Yeah, yeah that wasn't then great. Even if you'd never vacuumed in your life you're going to end up with this horrifying... Matte. And the mascara makes it go all thick and chunky. Yeah. I have vacuumed in my life. It's impressive when I do. So have I. It was horrifying. It took ages to get it out. A lot of conditioner and wet combing in the shower yeah. are the key. You'll get a lot of hair in your butt crack. Be prepared for that. We're back to butt cracks. <laughs> cracks about butts. I was trying to construct something around butt crack to the future, but I, I, it's not really. I can't really make it play. Oh, well, let's just not do that then. Mm. So, Gunner Creek Court. Um, not it's what it was. Not what it was. What was it for those who aren't familiar? It's a um, when it's when when it's good. When's its prime period? When should they read it and why? Uh probably from two years into the run to maybe like four or five years into the run. Yeah, it's it, worth reading. It takes a period. while to warm up. Yeah, after the art got good. Particularly, yeah, but the art does get good and it gets good fairly quickly by webcomic standards. It's a story set in a school which is based around a lot of weird technology it's got kind of sci-fi elements to the school it's kind of the size of a city as well yeah it's huge and there's a lot of mystery about it part of the point of the whole story is unraveling it's it's world building as much as it is plot or it was when they were doing that it's probably more world building than it is plot at this point which is part of the problem and across the river from the school there's this big forest and the two are kind of in conflict you have you know technology versus nature and there's some Mm. kind of thing that wait a minute Aren't they still in the middle of a year-long digression about trying to go and talk to the ghost? Isn't that what's actually theoretically supposed to be happening? Theoretically, yes. But they haven't... Okay, so I went back and tried to pick up from where I'd left off. And I ended up at the bit where they talk about going back to the ghost. Then there were like six more chapters and nothing happened Mm. to do with the ghost. And the ghost itself is a subplot. Yeah, there's... There's a school, city, city school thing that's all mad science, the forest that's all weird magic. They've got fairies and mythology. It's something to do with psychopomps. It's, insofar as it's anything, it's Hogwarts for psychopomps. Hogwarts for at least one psychopomp. They don't all appear to be like that. Some some of them are weirdly psychically gifted, some of them are weirdly technically gifted, some of them aren't particularly gifted. Some of them have the gift of feelings! For anyone who's not familiar with the term psychopomp, it is a... A creation that, that carries the spirit from the land of the living to the land of the dead. You sound so defeated. Just in case that's the sort of thing that hasn't come up in your day-to-day life. If you want to look into them, though, they're pretty creepy and it cool. Is, it is quite cool. Are there many people listening to this that aren't familiar with that? I don't know. Like, we, we've got we, a pretty niche 
precocious twat brigade audience. True, but we also were speaking from massive privilege here. Yeah, I mean, the true. cost of the education oh. between the three of us, yeah. and his wasn't even about words. If anyone would like a precocious twat brigade T-shirt, please do let us know. Because we, we, we get those. We could have those. We're doing much. We'll, we'll, we'll pick a nice font. No, no we won't. Well, we'll be papyrus. Papyrus Sans, <laughs> which is actually better than either either Comic Sans or Papyrus. It's. I, I, I don't. I, was gonna say I don't something really racist. <laughs> You don't get to complain about. No, I'm not going to. I can't. You don't. You don't get to complain about digressions about ghosts when you just cannot keep your fucking focus for even a moment. I'm not writing a friggin' webcomic. Are we even pretending anyone's listening to this for the comics? No, I don't think so. Yeah, there was a time when I really, really enjoyed Gunner Creek Court, and that was what kept me reading it daily. And the thing that stopped me from reading it daily was the thing that stopped me from reading all webcomics daily, not because it got suddenly bad. So. It was kind of disappointing. Getting a job? No, massive mental breakdown. Oh. No, the job is the place where you read the web comics. <laughs> this is not how your job works. No. Okay. The job is the place where you read the web comics. I don't really read web comics. Um, I think I just... I don't mind joke strips. But no. I find having narrative parceled out like that is really annoying. Oh. God, but isn't poorly drawn lines just the best at the moment? I was going to bring that up. It's it's going well. It's, it's, it's so bleak. Good. It's good. It's, and it's... Perry Bible Fellowship is kind of sort of back every now and then. Really? Mm. Do you know what I want back? Men in hats. You were, you were obsessed with that. That was brilliant. I think we were probably the only bookshop in the UK that sold that because you insisted that we order a shit ton of it and no fucker bought it. <laughs> I put it out of the tills. I put it on staff recommendation. We sold a couple. No, I think you stole them. I don't think so. You stole at least some things. I might have. I don't know. It's hard to remember. I was drinking a lot. <laughs> I was going to make a crack about how has that changed, but it seems <laughs> cruel. It's changed because the wine was much, much cheaper. Of oh, course. Golly. And, uh, you know, burnt with an orange flame. <laughs> Um, if you're interested in reading Gunner Crick Court, what it has in its favour is that there is a lot of it. If you fancy binging on something... So so I, I'm with you on day by day or three times a week being way too slow a pace to dull that narrative, and that's what sort of dropped me off the hook of a lot of the webcomics I used to read regularly. I generally prefer mm. narrative stuff to the Jake strips, but I do like just sitting down and reading most or all of a body of webcomic. So if you want a, a long, sort of chunky reading experience, at least some of which is pretty good, then then by all means give it a go. It's not it's not irredeemably bad. It's just not having a shining moment at the moment for the reasons yeah. we've discussed. And it looks good at the moment. Like he's really he's oh, yeah. he's really learned how to draw these things he keeps drawing. Funny how that happens. Yeah. But no, the whole the whole the whole mystical cultural appropriation coyote stuff, it looks really fucking yeah. good, even though it makes me worried. I I think Coyote gets used as a sort of general trickster aspect in a lot of white dude literature. Like, Visually, he's... This didn't feel like a really bad example. It's not a really bad example, but it is yet another white dude trotting out, trotting out a trope that's mm. not part of his cultural landscape necessarily. But then, you know, who am I to say that nobody's allowed to do anything apart from the thing that they came from? Because... You know, if I had to only make art out of my national culture, I would just be drawing dudes jizzing into baked potatoes all day long. Yeah, we'd be you we'd could. be stuck with some pretty dour shit if we. Why don't you do a comic about like teens trapped in Trago Mills? 
I took a friend there once and we'd been to the Eden Project and between the Eden Project and the Lisgard branch of Trego Mills he fell asleep and when he woke up he thought the apocalypse had happened and that was what was left. It is that Wow. That's that's horrifying a dystopia. What else have you read? What else have I read? I read trees. Trees, the comic not not just staring at trees. We want to reiterate the made out of paper from trees. Did you think of trees? I enjoyed it. I believe the issues that you said it had last week are mostly the issues that I had issue with. So it was the fact that it was much more a collection of little snippets of stories rather than one overall story made it feel a bit thin for a trade. Mm. Um, for I instance, think it's very much it's very much set up, but then I felt that the focus was just on the effect on the world. Yeah. And that was shown in snapshot rather than... But that's still kind of disorienting. Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess thing, the thing that kind of sold that for me was that I thought I'd finished reading it and I thought, huh, that was a bit thin. And then I realised I had like a third of it to go and then I actually went back and finished reading it. I was like, yeah, I haven't really changed my opinion for reading the last third of the book. There is a lot... There is... Like, the stage is set by the end of the book and most of that does come in the final third. Yeah. Um, it... It spends a long time, at least in two cases, it switches up who you think the protagonists will be for mm-hmm. the next stage of the book. Um, I didn't massively care about a lot of the people. I don't think you get time to, no, necessarily. No, that's probably why. Except the, 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 China, you think, the China yeah. parts, I thought, a mm. little bit more. The, the Chinese kid, who you think... It does stuff. It, mm. yeah. it would... It would there's, there's an, it's not really worth talking in case people do still want to read it. Honestly, it's quick enough that if you do want to still read it, just you'll do it in an evening. It's not. Yeah. Plus, it's an image trade, so it's really cheap if you want to just try it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. Um, I think. <clears throat> I think trees is at the uh, bigger, weirder, more con- concepty end of what's going on at the moment in sci-fi. So, last year and the year before, Prophet Saga, a few other things hanging off that same. Big, weird, Mobius-y, sort yeah. of 70s fucking and psycho drug trip. There's sci-fi. a lot of much more compressed stuff going on, and trees feel somewhere in between. So Ellis has often done the compressed sort of people yelling at each other in rooms against an interesting background that then explodes outwards to be part of the background or coalesces in from it. He's, he's, often, he's often done that. And tree, trees is one of those, but it's got some big, weird concepts. And some of the moments are quite small. And I think Injection, which isn't out yet, but I'm really very much looking forward to, is going to be the mystical weird equivalent. It's going to be like a good version of Fell or Jack Cross of assholes being assholes to each other in rooms against a fascinating, fucked up world background. Yeah, it looks but, like it's going to be sci-fi folk horror, which yeah. I'm willing to see what that's like. Sort of Scarfuck with, well, just Scarfuck really, like yeah. Scarfuck with nanites, or whatever it is that's ruined the world. It's... It's it's more analysis, probably nanites, but um, but then there's a lot of stuff at the moment that's smaller and differently weird. I mean, we will come to this by later on, but yeah, we are going to go into sci-fi this week. So, so Trees has a lot of these personal stories, like the interview with the journalist and the president of where is it Um, Somalia? Somalia, thank you. Um, Or some of the some of the particular chats about macroeconomics between the. Greek lady and the ex-spook in Alistair Crowley's house. Yeah. I enjoyed those bits. Yeah. Those were yeah. a stand-up for me. They, they were fun. 
And it, it could Italian, get so much... It? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. They were sort of referencing the Golden Dawn stuff, but yeah. yeah. That's what makes me up. And it could have got it's a different weird, Golden Dawn. But it, it keeps it really tight. It keeps it really focused on this actual personal thing that's happening. Yeah, I think they did... Although I didn't particularly like the bits in the um, sort of polar research station yeah. that much, they, they got over the this one guy is enough of a twat to really fuck us all over and we're really annoyed about that. Mm. That was done particularly well. Mm. He really was a twat. What a little asshole you think? Oh, well, he'll be an underdog protagonist. No, he's just a dick. Just a massive dick. They, they, did, they did white dude's hubris ruins things for everyone else particularly well. Mm. <laughs> Funny how that happens. Mm. I'm interested to see where it goes. Um... As you say, it's sort of sufficiently different, and it takes a, a further out view of the basic sci-fi premise. Mm. Um, so you know, you have a a premise. This happens. How does it change the world? Is is kind of a reductive but useful way of looking at sci-fi. Mm. Um, Aliens came. Oh God, everything's on fire. That's yeah, or we've. You know, we've eliminated any sort of scarcity. What do we do next? Mm. And from there you get Star Trek, you get the culture novels. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a Warren Ellis, something awful has happened narrative. Um, And it is full of useful bastards, as Warren Ellis books will tend to be. But it's from a much further out viewpoint than than he usually takes. He normally writes more personal stories than Mm. that. Um... And I don't think it's necessarily a weakness so long as it's uh, the emotional punch is there in, in the long run, but I'm more than likely to be proven wrong if it stays sort of at the same level of focus as it is now. Mm-hmm. Is there more of it than the trade? Have the singles continued or are they break? Um, I just know they will. They, they are going it. to, yeah. So they're being written at the moment and I think illustrated to come out in the l- sort of second half of the year. Okay. Anything else? Uh, yes, I read The Fuse. Oh, I just finished that this afternoon. Well, do you want to talk about it together or...? You start. Go team. Um, I enjoyed no. it. So I was sort of reading it, thinking about it as a collection of singles. It's kind of your catchphrase it. today. <laughs> just very slowly saying that you enjoyed things in a slightly <laughs> nervous fashion. That kind of, I hated everything in the universe, but I have to say a thing. I just, I... No, the problem is I spent literally no time reflecting on what I'd read mm. before I came to the podcast. Um, it... The first half or so suffered from the problem that I think a lot of stuff that ends up coming out in singles or similar to singles format suffers from, whereby the action hook was greater than the plot or character hook, so I didn't actually feel that hooked. I feel like a lot of the time you need to grab so much so early when you're doing that kind of thing in order to sort of get sustained sales and interest that you make it hooky, Um, but the hook those aren't the kind of hooks that I respond to. The ones I responded to did come through in the second half, but there was a time when I was thinking, this is quite thin, where is Mm. this going? Because it starts as this really... uh... For people who haven't come across it, it's uh, the cheap version is it's a police procedure on a space station. Hmm. Um, a pretty good one as well. I thought so. It's it starts with the new rookie turning up to the new beat, 
um, and blundering straight into the middle of the murder that he'll end up investigating with in the course of which he runs into his partner. He's brand new and a bit doe-eyed and wet behind the ears, but some kind of very talented super cop. And his partner is much, much older and is jaded. Mm-hmm. And her partner's just retired and they just literally don't get on, but they do. But they click really well because they work well together and there's a little bit of resentment. All the standard stuff. There's political intrigue. There's, yeah. yeah. And it... Um, it tries to be quite pacey in, in the first issue and to dump you straight into the middle of the case mm. with but the problem is it's not done any work to make you give a shit. Exactly. That was exactly what I found for the first sort of two, three issues of it. Um particularly it was kind of dumping you in universe using in universe lexicon and then taking an issue or so to actually explain what that was, which mm. maybe it's meant to feel immersive, but I just find it irritating. Well, that's a classic trope of immersive sci fi and to a lesser extent fantasy, but the problem with it is you've got to have something to offer and usually with with sci-fi fantasy you've got a book that you can carry on yeah. reading and find out more yeah. whereas if you were reading these literally as singles yeah. as they came out you am i going to wait until next week to find out what the fuck they're talking about or do i just not care yeah if i hadn't had the whole thing I yeah might have, i might have ditched it and I'd, I'd have been sad about that the thing that so the thing i want to i'm just going to jump straight in the thing that i found interesting about fuse and i think it's the extreme example of what i'm seeing in a couple of other places is it's a notionally quite concepty sci-fi piece that's trying quite hard not to feel like sci-fi. Mm. The fact that they're on a space station is broadly irrelevant for most of the run. It barely really factors in, except it touches the of... edges of the plots, touches the edges of the motivation. Yeah, it's just not about that. It's about a fairly standard inner city police procedural with it's like it's it's the wire in space. It's and I quite enjoyed that, but I also I mean I'm sort of I think I naturally tend towards the side of kind of pure world building with mm. some plot on top and, and I, plot wanted, with... I wanted more yeah same and I think that's what was, what was missing in the hook either emotionally selling the characters such that I could get bound up in it or selling the world such that I wanted to hear more about it mm-hmm. um, and you know there's clearly some bits of intrigue the, 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 the Dietrich I can't remember his first name but... Ralph or which, however you say that she, in German. Which she calls him I, I like the fact that she calls him Marlena. Oh see I thought that was gimmicky that for me was um... one of reading that that was Reading that as a writer, that was a darling that should have been killed. That was a too clever for yeah, its own good. Right. I don't I, know. So I, my, my perspective on that was that it was sufficiently obvious that it didn't think it was being clever. It was just a thing someone might do. Mm, I don't know. It didn't ring true for but, me. But... Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I also particularly like the fact that pretty much everyone that talks to him for about the first two issues just casually objectifies him. <laughs> the um, sort of... Aside from the fact that it was a cause of rioting, um, nice mix of race without mm. race really being an issue, that was... Race clearly has been a massive issue in the past. They don't really go into it because they wouldn't want to talk about it and they explicitly don't. And th- but yeah, it looks like cool... it, it, it comes across as a problem they've mostly solved. Yeah, which is but there's nice. some cool social politics stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's bits of stuff that goes to sci-fi, like the the, the, the people, the, the homeless in this context or mm-hmm. whatever. they the, It's not quite homeless. Well, it is, but it, mm. there's this class of massively marginalised, destitute people who live in the vents and duct systems of the of the space station. Substantially, if we're on the crypt from Babylon 5, it is basically it is basically a thriller set in the bits of Babylon 5 that you don't often see because they're too busy doing the brightly lit stuff with the politics. Um, I'll take your word for it. But uh, Like that wonderful Black Market episode of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Oh God, I'd forgotten about that. It was brilliant. You look like you might poop if you have to keep that up. Like it was shit, but Bill Duke was in it. 
Like so. Belgic. And it's, it's, it's fun. I just, I couldn't work out whether it was just, they'd had this idea for a sci-fi concept and then got distracted, or whether... The, what did it want to be? Yeah. Is yeah. the point of it that it's sci-fi trying not to be sci-fi? Is the point of it doing a big ordinary thing? in a big weird setting and ignoring the setting as some sort of deliberate pose that's but, supposed to introduce attention. I, I, I don't know. I, I, well, didn't, feels, I, didn't, I didn't get that off it. No, that feels like an over-reading almost. That's the thing that it could have been. But yes, I mean, for me, there was... None of the story would have been lessened by it not being on a space station. And mm. nothing about it being on a space station made it particularly more compelling. And the visuals so, are very resistant to showing it as well. This is... This is a, so I haven't, I haven't read this, but I've read quite a lot of Anthony Johnson's other comics and this is something that sort of generally hit me with his stuff like nothing of his has been something that I've loved and it's always failed to hit the mark in a very hard to define way for me so Coldest City I think my problem with that was that it's it's a a sort of end of the Cold War spy thriller and it sort of feels like played out that it's not really hitting any new have I read Terrifying. that, or have I just seen it in your house? Probably just seen it in my house. I don't okay. think I let it. I keep meaning to borrow it. I think I'd enjoy it. You probably would. It's it's the trouble is it does the whole it it does the sort of debriefing structure mm. spy novel thing, which is kind of done um, because you're always bound to expect a sting in the tail. Um, I read Umbral, which again just didn't quite. Was there anything to do with spies or police in that? That was a fantasy story about an orphan in a sort of city full of magic and horrible demon things. But again, it just didn't... It didn't quite land. And I think the thing for me has always been that the sort of competently told stories, or even well-told stories, with no real fundament to them. Um, Like, they exist, and they hit... Assuming it's detail, not bumhole. <laughs> yes, I thought he meant bumhole. I don't mean bumhole. Yeah, but all the classy people at home who know that the fundament is a synonym for bumhole will be really pleased with themselves. Let them have their moment. It's just Let you, isn't it? Let them have their bumhole. Let them have their archaic bumhole. <laughs> there is, there is, um, well, there is no real subtext to it. There's no real subtext to yelling bumhole all the time either. Just so I can know. switch to anus if you like. <laughs> and yet we persevere. But this, okay. There we go. No, no, I'm, I'm done. I was, I was going to Sweet. lead into you saying something else, but you interrupted me, which is brilliant. Saves time. Sweet. I'm, I'm a master of efficiency. No, the, the thing... So there's a pretty obvious comparison point for Fuse, or the Fuse, with um, Roche Limit, or possibly Roche Limit. I thought it was Roche Limit, then I went to this talk that Brian Cox was doing, and he said Roche, and I got very confused. Um, Brian Cox, that's in the uh, space guy from TV. Yeah, yeah, lovely, lovely space TV guy. How do we know he knows better than you when it comes to pronouncing things? He's like a professor of space. <laughs> it's true, if you're like a professor of pronouncing things, he has no actual professorial qualifications. <laughs> Sorry, anyway, I was trying to make Roger feel good. The lovely Brian Cox said Roche Limit. You're also not from the Midlands. Oh, yeah. So Roche Limit, Roche Limit. Is it's also a thriller, police ish thriller set. It's, it's like a private investigator rather than police thriller set on a space station in a weirder world with some weirder shit going on, shit going on that is more about the sci fi. And it's orders of magnitude worse written than the fuse, it's just a lot less tight. Um, the characters are less plausible, the art's shoddier. But 
it managed to deliver a lot of the detective story stuff at the same time as trickling out the big weird background and doing a lot of show rather than tell and taking advantage of the fact that you're a fucking comic which means that you've got quite a, a high notion not not infinite but quite a high notional budget for sci-fi that's true um, all you've got to do is draw some weird space shit and it's kind of as much as the ink costs yeah. and your imagination artist time and various things but it's yeah I, and there, there are a few other bits and pieces like that so Copperhead is a fairly straight up it's about the interpersonal stories space western but it still shows more of the weird shit I just found myself looking at Fuse thinking this is a well written police procedural it is tight the characters work I enjoy it why is it on a space station it's kind of it's it's at that far end of the spectrum of stuff I've seen a bit of at the moment, which is quite tight, quite small, happens to be in space, and then at the other end you've got I would say, well, Rochlemet's probably a bit too crap, but Copperhead, which does a lot more showing than telling, but is still fundamentally a kind of buddy western mm. stranger comes to town type shtick, but it lets itself play more in the weirder sci-fi, actually showing us something ballpark. And that seems to be where we are at the moment, I think, rather than the sort of saga and prophet stuff. I think it's quite tight human stories that happen to be in sci-fi and are willing to acknowledge it to a varying degree. I see what's this. Saga very much happens to be sci-fi. So you could, you, saga. You could strip out a lot of what's sci-fi about saga. Sure, but the stuff that sci-fi is so fucking sci-fi. The big weird universe is so big and weird. True, but there's a very Robots human quarter. Sure, but yeah. you know, if you just changed it all to a bunch of mercenaries and um, oh, sure, no, you a civil war, you would have broadly the same story. You could, you could. It's um, although I think some of the most interesting things about it are the the big weird constructs. Yeah, but it's the it's the human story that ties it together. Yeah. Whereas the the big weird constructs in Fuse could be fascinating. What is this thing? It's some kind of power station, maybe, or there are people facility. there who were the first people who built it and who stayed. Yeah. That was the thing that kind of and they dropped this in weird there status and, and that's interesting. Yeah, but they didn't really do anything with it. Yeah. And the thing about it being the Russia shift, I wondered what is that going to be? Is it going to be a weird racial segregation thing? And mm. then, yeah. it's, uh... mm. I guess so. There's a couple of volumes of it out now. I assume you've just read the first. Just one. the first. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's currently. I think it's still ongoing. And it's setting up some stuff at the end of the first volume. There's, I mean, this is, this is the fag end of the bundle, so... Mm. Yeah. And I probably will carry on reading it. I might pick up the... Is the second volume complete? If it is, uh, then... What, as in, has it been published as yeah. a trade? Yes. Oh, in that case, I'll just pick it up. I enjoyed it enough to do so. Because um, there is some interesting stuff going on, and I, it, it feels like there's maybe like a small, the Civil War, or at least some insurrection coming. I wondered if they were going to do something more big plot or if this was going to be a vehicle for more small plot police mm. procedural stuff. I really couldn't tell what they were going to yeah, go with that. I like, I, I like the two main characters. I like Dietrich and I, I like fairly straightforward police procedural yeah. stuff. It's, it's just fun. Some of the other characters are pretty forgettable. The the mayor's wife was... Mm, a little didn't, overdone. Didn't, didn't work for me. No. Uh, as as something where I've been following the turns fairly well, and I like following the turns, I don't really like being surprised. That felt like a twist that hadn't quite been pulled off. It also, it felt like it happened because of the narrative momentum, not because it worked in character. Mm. Like the stuff that happens happens because it always happens like that, or because that's a received narrative pattern. So Roger, other than the fuse, what have you read? Um, I have read Brass Sun and. Um, Sam after Man, and I think that's actually it. I've not read a lot. Uh, I was going to read the latest Switches, but um, it hasn't turned up in the post yet. You lazy degenerate. Oh, there was some Wigdiv. I read some Wigdiv. You did. 
Uh, Tell us about Brass Sun. Oh, golly, it's lovely. Hmm. Um, you bought the giant hardback I edition. I did, it gave me a little frisson. Forbidden Planet have it at crazy money off. Or at least they, they did. It's it's £25 um, RRP and worth it. Uh, Forbidden Planet knocked five or six off that, which is more than Amazon were doing, so, you know, bravo to them. Um, it's also six quid on Kindle. Yeah, I very nearly picked that up, but I do want the big hardback version it's, at some it's, point. It's nice. Does it's reading comics on a Kindle work? It works on a tablet. Okay. So, so as in the Kindle reader yeah. as opposed to the, the Kindle yeah, Kindle. The, the Amazon platform in general. Mm. So the only thing I've had it work for was from Hell. Mm. Yeah, I've picked up a few things and just read them on the iPad, and it's fine. It's yeah. entirely comparable to reading it on anything else on there. Mm-hmm. I only buy stuff on there when it's either like digital PDF or if it's like um, Resident Alien for some reason kept being deep discounted. Mm-hmm. So. Brass Sun is what is it? Uh, you guys don't watch much anime, do you? None. No. So it's. I think it's got a hell of a lot in common with Last Exile, but. If you haven't seen it, that's a pointless reference point. It's um, it's set on a... It might be the future, it might be a weird alternate present or just a different universe. It turns out it actually is the future, but on a kind of a solar system that is in fact a gigantic mechanical orrery. Do like an orrery. Yeah. It's, um, so it, it's sort of... It's not steampunk, really, although it is lousy with cogs. It's... Um, just cogs all up in this business. Yeah, it, Cogs, cogs, all type of cogs. Which is your favourite cog? Um, the one that goes a bit like that. Everyone liked Lumiere better. He was an officious little clock man. I don't know if Roger's ever seen Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, but who wouldn't want sympathy suave candelabra compared to the self-important little clock? I don't think I have seen Beauty and the Beast. Um, my sister went through a phase of watching it every morning before we went to school. I've seen Beauty and the Beast more times than you care oh, to think of. Crazy. The last time I saw it, I was on a plane to the America, and I realised it wasn't the feminist odyssey I thought it was in my youth. It's true, she is allowed to read books, but then when she dreams of something more than this provincial life, it turns out she's she marrying like, a big fancy dude. Two miles away. Exactly. Yeah. Well. And now she's not oppressed anymore. So when all of his, when all of his, like, housewares turn back into his servants... Yeah. Does he have anything left? Or is he like completely fucked? Is all his furniture gone? And so he's got all people, but no yeah, plates. Yeah, like is all his cutlery completely just gone? He just eats just off gone. the small children. It is as it always was. He's what just I surrounded assume. by a lot of people who presumably he cannot pay. The little teacup boy has to open his mouth. It's filled with liquid, which he's not allowed to swallow. And then the ma- lot of the manor kind of has to get that into his face somehow. It's disgusting. This is, this is dark. <laughs> That's fucking dark, this is getting, isn't it? Kind of last days of Rome, isn't it? Like, he's, he's, I just assume he'd like do a big IKEA order. I remember the first time I saw it and I thought, yeah. It's I, like, it's that kind of, you've just moved in, fuck it, Ikea can have 500 quid, I'll buy all the crap stuff that it'll do for you. Yeah. I assume he's, that's, that's like, you know. They, you'd have to. They move in, settle down a bit, they get the orphans out of the way and well, then they phone pay, Ikea, Well, he can't pay, so he right? sends all the orphans to work at Ikea and then they get store credit. You might yeah. have to sell some orphans. There's, like, a, there's a huge market, particularly in like travelling madhouses that just want to pick up people for no good reason. Yeah. I mean, that's sinister as well. That's, that's quite really sinister. fucking sinister. Yeah. Um, like, we will bring genuinely substandard medieval mental health care to you. In a big carriage full of loons. Yeah. I presume that's what my forest circus was all about. I would imagine. For sure. Did it, did it help you go to Ikea? No. I'm going to have to pay the delivery charge. 
I don't know how they managed to make the dude beast just like so much less attractive than the beast beast. Yeah, but... he was a hulking chunk of masculinity, and they turned him into those, like a... those sort of league tables of hottest Disney princes, mm. and anyone that doesn't say adolescent Simba is lying. But yeah, they originally wanted uh, Cheech and Chong to play the hyenas, but they couldn't get them to. So they got Whoopi Goldberg and some other people that no one knows. I know a lot about mid-90s Disney, apparently. Where is this you coming from? You had younger siblings. I had The Lion King on VHS. My grandmother bought it for me. I actually didn't like The Lion King all that much. The whole anthropomorphic... I probably, I probably wouldn't like it now. ...animal thing didn't do it for me, and that was just not what you wanted to say if you didn't want to get punched at school. Also, I suspect it might be hideously culturally problematic. I think it probably is. Although, if you've got kittens, lifting them up and doing the baby Simba thing and making like vaguely African noises is a racist but fun way to spend time with kittens. Yeah, as opposed to those generally disappointing ways of being racist around kittens. If I find an outcrop of rock like that, I'm going to do it with a bottle of wine. Please tell us about Brass Sun. Cogworld! Ori! Foof! Yay! Um. He's making gestures with his hands, which is perfect for a fucking auditory medium. Shut up. So, um, that was unkind, but I did enjoy it. Oh, I felt unkind criticising you in that fashion, but you were just, you were wrong and stupid. Maybe everyone felt unkind. I didn't say anything, but I was thinking some real bad shit about the both of you. <laughs> Probably fair. No, um, Orrery World, lots of planets with fun little names, like, you know, the... Piffling little outer systems are called things like hind leg. Um, and the sun is dying. The giant clockwork sun in the middle of the system is dying. And so all of the planets are gradually cooling and the movement is slowing. And on the world of hind leg, which is a backwater ruled by a mad theocracy, um, a girl called Ren and her astronomer grandfather realise that the world is dying. And the grandfather knows some, some stuff about what's going on. He knows that it's all a sort of... This world is kept artificially ignorant by the church, and the grandfather knows that there's some big space shit going on. So he packs the, the granddaughter off on a journey while he gets burnt at the stake as a heretic. It's actually kind of bleak. Um, but he's dosed himself up with weird tinctures, and so when they set fire to him, he explodes. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful piece of sort of pyrrhic terrorism. But um, Pyrrhism, if you will. Yeah. Um, there are some delightful little moments and weird character beats, but Ren. So the the concept is quite pat. It's a bit Saturday morning TV. Ren goes off on a quest. Well, that sounds like a very standard call to an adventure. With, yeah, you know the to the mentor character find the components of the key that will restart the sun. Um, yeah, except it actually turns out to be way weirder than that. And it's still that pat narrative, and it's running in 2018, and they can keep it going indefinitely by, by pinging her out between different planets and on different things. But is it not self-contained, is that one story? This is, this is the first book. It contains, it contains her going to three and a bit planets, and it contains three distinct bits of story, and it feels like the first act. So right. I, I would guess there's probably about two more this size coming, but you could easily stretch it to five. If it goes beyond that, it's taking the piss. I think 2008 has got really good at long-form narrative mm. in the last few years. So a lot of 2008 stuff, you can sort of tell it's written in three-page bursts. Mm. And I think they've got better at hiding it. This is, you could barely tell. So it's written by Ian Eddington, isn't yeah. it? illustrated by Cobard. Yeah, um, and they seem to be sort of... Well, Colbert's doing a lot more 2000 AD. Mm. He's doing stuff with Dan Abner at the moment as yeah. well. 
Well, actually, no, that's Wild's End, which is not 2008, it's IEW. Um, and is the insane basic Wind in the Willows meets um, oh, yeah. uh, War of the Worlds. And this, this is... Yeah. yeah. It's basically a bunch of... A bunch, of a bunch of... Um, a bunch of Victorian animal characters um, encounter an invasion from Mars. It's basically what happens then while War of the Worlds is going on. That sounds awesome. I bet it's good. Um, but yeah, Ian Eddington did uh, Stickleback, Stickle yeah, which I really liked, and is another 2008 mm. one of, of uh, recent days. Um, and he's personally lovely, um, yeah. just quite quite charming. Colbert's done a lot of good stuff recently yeah. as well. So this is this this I mean, looks, for years he was sort of the Lovecraft guy. Yeah, um, this looks very much like him. Yeah, um, he's got a he's got a style which is quite distinct. So. What, actually, my main criticism of this is the art. It's not that he's bad. He's not. It's great. Um, but I think this would really suit an ensemble art team. You've got the different worlds. You've got the big weird space. I think it would suit something a bit more like Sandman, where you can switch in and out. Right? There, so there, there's a couple of pieces where actually someone with a bit like Temple Smith, but less hackneyed, would, would have worked really well. There are. I, 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 I think this would make a really great ensemble art book. And Kobar's doing well. It, it, it is good. There are some gorgeous bits and pieces but sometimes there are things with the line thickness and the slight naivete fast. that doesn't quite land yeah he works he works quite fast I think because yeah. he has a lot of stuff coming out mm. so I mean he had his own he had his sort of first self not self-published but the first thing that he wrote Andrew uh, oh was he the, last year. the lovely ukulele man uh, no, that was the guy who wrote Deadbeats he was Sorry, the artist on that but the author because he was then yeah yeah um, so we, we did talk to him um, he did Celeste last year which was mm. another sort of weird sci-fi tale which we'll probably talk about in a bit um, he's just done an adaptation of The King in Yellow which is coming out fairly oh, soon I would as like well to read that. Um, so he he just seems to work non-stop he's one of those people who mm. seems to get through a hell of a lot and th- this has some some amazing bits of visual and conceptual design in it uh, so the, the the story in this piece it's it's the first three worlds on the on the quest and one of them, which is the keep, is a single planetary landmass designed as an inter- as a palace. So the notional rooms are cities. The people are normal size; they just have planetary scale egos. There are mad inbred duke and duchess that are at war across this palace landmass. Sort of like Coruscant in Star Wars, that sort of yeah. thing. There are lots. There are liberal borrowings. There are there's there's, there's a. Oh, I don't I don't think they've been nicked directly. But no, but there is a three panel position for position lifting from Watchmen, but it's deliciously tongue-in-cheek. That, so there are, there are lots of little nods here and there. Um, there are some robots that look very, very um, Laputa. They're like a fusion of um, Castle in the Sky with the Philandorf Venus. Um, All right. I honestly cannot picture that. It's very strange. Um, yeah, the keep, this, this world ruled by insane inbred fuckwits that they get stuck on with some wonderful robot designs and bits and pieces and then they end up on a gas giant that's all airships and sky sharks and oh it, Laputa has this very statue-like robots yeah. doesn't it it's uh, with, um, the, with the weird sort of band-like arms yeah it's 
It's gorgeous. I love it for not being steampunk. I love it for having a or too steampunk. I love it for having a lot of stuff in it. It's got this very potentially glib, highly structured premise with an abs like there's a demagogue, there's a an orrery world. It's the demagogue manifests in the main character's head, alternating between looking like Mark Twain, um, Einstein, and I think Oppenheimer. Um, Good Oppenheimer or bad Oppenheimer? It's hard to say. It's they're color coded. For reference. No. Manhattan Projects jokes, everyone. Hope you're paying attention to Manhattan Projects. It's just it's just great. It's just lovely. And some of it isn't very original, but it lands well. It, it doesn't matter that the ideas have been seen before because it's a really good delivery of them. But I think that's what I, what I love it for. It would be broadly accessible to all ages as well, if you don't mind a little bit of swearing and a lot of murder. Um, the 2000 AD promise. <laughs> It's it's just it's just a lovely thing. It looks great. It's a beautifully published book. It's a gorgeous like the print stock is great. It's thick. The inks are rich. It's I'm really glad they're doing that with some of their stuff as well. Because I mean they've got a standard paperback size, which yeah. is nice. But... but this is this is a lovely chunky, sexy thing with great colour. Um, I love the premise. I love the way it's delivered. I kind of like the characters. They they sometimes the. The secondary characters' voices are sometimes a bit indistinct. That's my kind of one writing quality criticism. Like, um, I think my art criticism of it is this works really well, but I think it would work better with a more varied portfolio. My kind of writing criticism of it is sometimes the secondary characters all sound the same, but not that badly. The two main characters, um, Ren and um, Conductor17, are... <laughs> so the... The transit system that links the orrery together is maintained by a chapter of monks right. who have sort of maintained understanding what's going on, but they've semi-mythologised it. Okay. Of course they have. They're fucking space monks. Yeah. Of course they've mythologised it. quite like that. It's like the 40k Yeah, Yeah, there's, also, there's, there's a little mm. bit of Adeptus um, mechanic. mechanic. Uh, no, it doesn't no. sound right. No. Um, Those dudes. The 40k it's dudes. Gonna bother me for but ages. Light, lighting, lighting incense, and then smacking the side of the monitor in a ritualistic fashion, yeah. and switching computers on, mm. that sort of thing. It's, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. It sounds. Buy like, this fucking book. It sounds great. I, I'm interested now to read it. Mm. Anything else? Uh, the wine's quite good. You read Sam After Man. It's quite a fruity Grenache. It's from M&S. They're doing um, they're doing twenty five percent off if you buy six at the moment, which is which it's is quite nice. Got a little crocodile nice. on it. Yeah, it does. It's it's got a little Romanesque crocodile on it. Um, we're not, we're not paid for this endorsement, but please do get yourself down to M&S and get yourself some crocodile wine. It is squeezed from only the youngest and freshest crocodiles. They've also got fancy food for rich people there if you happen to be visiting. So notwithstanding the crocodile wine, actually, the M&S um, 25% off if you buy six or more is a really fucking good deal. Particularly I mean, if you want six or more bottles of wine. Well, so they've got some amazing stuff at about the <laughs> Right now. And it's only growing with Let's every minute. go to the Civic. So they've got these two, um, they've got a Chilean PX and a Chilean Carmenera with both a very similar label design. Um, it's table PX, quite unusual, it's lovely stuff. About £7, well worth it, but if you buy if you buy three of each, you're getting that for an insanely good price, given how good it is. The Repasso's delightful, they've got some, they, they do a really nice light Vino Verde, they've got some great stuff at the moment. And then at the higher end, they actually do have some pretty credible, sort of reasonably expensive wine. If you want to, to just basically, they're, 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 the 25% offer are really nice. I've been, I'm beginning, I'm beginning to think he has been paid off. 
I wish I had. I've bought a lot of wine for I like, I like the fact that we have a basic policy that none of our um, reviews are time-sensitive. We're never going to be sort of driven by what's out now. But you are talking with some intensity about a current supermarket wine offer. Limited time only, one would assume, based on past supermarket wine deals. Well, they had it deals. before Christmas and then they had it after. I think it recurs. I think it, they do it regularly. It's a recursive wine deal. They, they do yeah, it quite often. Before and after. Is that like, don't feed... The gremlins before midnight because it's always maybe it's clearing the surplus. Maybe they, they I think it's probably rewarding you for stocking up before or after, but yeah. not rewarding you for excess at the right time. It's, it's I, encouraging I casual drinking as opposed to special occasion drinking. Maybe. They're gonna, no, they're going to make more money at Christmas yeah, um, selling yeah. wine at full price yeah. because people are buying more wine. But they may also have overscaled, which means that before that afterwards they might want to do something to. Like, I, I don't know what the pricing model here looks like. Can we, we sum this up as fuckers got wine? It's good wine. So the, um, it's the Grenache Noir, it's sloppy. It's not sloppy. He's still talking not, about the wine. not sloppy. I had the watermelon juice, it was really stop. nice. It tasted like watermelons. I'm, I'm having the wine. <laughs> it's quite nice, but it hasn't sent me into paroxysms of, of capitalistic <laughs> frenzy. This is your problem. You drink the wine, you spill the wine. <laughs> I spilled the wine on my nice jumper. I'm sorry. Is it going to come out? It might. You are why you can't have nice things. Yes, I am. I, I, I feel like I was... Uh, I was accessory to the crime. It's alright. Please okay. tell us about Sam Aftermath. Oh yeah, it's kind of shit. That's annoying. Um, so did it have the promise of being good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it looked uh, it looked all shiny and it looked did a big um, sort of launch campaign around Thought Bubble because it was meant to be out then and it wasn't. And it wasn't for months. So and then it was not good. So what's his face? Manzano did the chimpanzee complex. It's the writer from the chimpanzee complex with a different artist. Um, I think it works better on the chimpanzee complex, but the artist's name Sheng is Sheng Sheng, um, which I put on the notes after you didn't your shit. Jeez, he's got some issues to work through today, mm. doesn't he? He should consider therapy. It's you fruitful think... and also expensive. Maybe he needs his glands expressing. I've had a small amount of wine, which I understand you procured at a reasonable price. If he needs his glands expressing, we're back to the anus again. Yeah. I don't have glands down there. Well, oh, I do. I'll get, it's I'll get just like one. It's not like a cat. I'll get or a dog. Or a dog. It's particularly bad with the dog. Apparently it smells foul when they get all clogged up and need manual expressing. Right, okay. But I don't have some but sort of backlog of musk. That back passage. Tell us about it. You just, you just seem twitchy. <laughs> just taking the words you say and making them about, about the rear. Tell us about it. <laughs> okay. So Sam Afterman is the new thing from Maranzano and Chang. Um, Chang? Chang. Chang. Um, published by Cinebooks. Cinebook, who I do like. I like them a lot. Um, originally published in Paris in um, a few years ago, like 2011, I think, is the original published credit, translated this year. So Maranzano's previous thing was Chimpanzee Complex, which is like a fuckwit version of Interstellar. Um, it's good but it lets itself down by driving diving headfirst into semi-philosophical hand wavy because quantum but the first two volumes are fantastic and the art is this sort of semi-photorealistic thing and it works really well with the tone of the story this is oh god the printing quality this is not the guy's fault it looks really the, washed the out. printing quality is terrible but the binding like the, i don't know did they even use glue the pages look like they're about to fall out it's it's printed on fucking toilet paper Everything is brown. The colour definition is appalling. You can't really tell what's going on in some of the panels. 
And the art style and the slightly chunky page composition makes it look like it's badly assembled stills from a manga, as uh, anime. It looks like anime screen grabs loosely put together. And that The individual panels, the individual detail work, is like really good, heavily coloured, slightly a merry manga, or just, you know, it's it, anime-influenced, quite highly detailed, very crisp comics. It's good. But something about the whole package feels like it's been cobbled together as a tie-in novelisation. So it just it sort of doesn't flow from panel yeah. to panel. It, feel, it, it feels like the novelisation of an anime movie that doesn't exist. This is sort of the, the opposite problem I had with um, The Sculptor, in which the individual panels were not great, but the flow really worked. Mm. Um, so movement and pacing felt great, even if the individual panels were not particularly good. Yeah. They I think are I struggled with separate that skills. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a cute story. It's... Um, Standard post-apocalyptic, we don't know exactly why, but robots are hunting everyone and have been for a long time, so the Earth's the wasteland. Robots will do that. Teenagers. I'll fuck you up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, all those videos of people kicking over the Boston Dynamics dog thing, and they've built up a lot of resentment. That thing's going to fuck us up. Yeah, that's going to bite one day. It's, um... It... I'll talk about Adam Robert's vet in a minute, which is, is not a comic, but it's great and has some relevance here. Um, so there's, um... Yeah, there's a future where robots have been hunting people. Teenagers are living in caverns and shelters, making forays to try and survive. Your standard stuff. It looks a bit like the episodes of Cowboy Bebop where they go back to the ruined earth. In fact, it looks exactly like that, down to the characters all looking like Radical Edward. Um, it's kooky, weird idiom teens with guns in a ruined landscape, and then one of them who is a cocky little asshole called Ian, apparently. We, we, it's a near future sci-fi dystopia with a protagonist called Ian I, I struggle to process this for reasons I don't understand um, finds a, a robot that doesn't want to kill him and might actually want to protect him and he spent some time trying to re rewire it and maybe there's hope and we don't know what's going on and there's some backstory and it's, it has the potential to be great but oh god it just doesn't land and it sounds brilliant And it, the, when you look at individual panels they look great I think it might be because no child's been called Ian since the 80s yeah, maybe. Apart from in America, where I think there's a weird sort of like we're vaguely Scots Irish because we've decided that's a thing. And Wait, it's oh, with the extra of... eye? No, oh, not with yeah, the extra yeah, eye. Yeah. No, either with the extra eye or without. I think that's Scots Irish, and I was like, there's some eyes in there, but I don't know which ones are the extra ones. Um... Some extra fingers as well, and the odd bit of webbing. <laughs> oh, I'm Irish. I'm allowed to say this shit. Yeah. Right. Sorry, Scots. You're not sorry, are you? No. no. It's okay, they've got burritos in Dublin now. Really? Yeah, and they're really good. They have breakfast Don't burritos. Don't sound surprised. It's a real fucking city. They've got actual food. Good <laughs> lord. Just jumping ahead in the racism stakes. Well done. Scrambled I, thought eggs, that, I thought that was more classism. Kidney beans, chipotle salsa, coriander, Ooh. emmental. In a breakfast burrito? And avocado, and it worked. I mean, I'll eat anything that's eggs and cheese wrapped up in cups, oh, sure, let's be sure, honest. But... But it was great. I can see it. Yeah. What do you think, Mr. Corey? I can see it. It's a, it's a It'd be nice good to nutty back note. Yeah. Gives you a little bit of chew, a bit of bite as well as flavour. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't go the full Gruyere? I wouldn't go the full Gruyere, although I do have some in the fridge. It's getting on a bit, though. I just finished the Reclad. Did you? Would it save you from the robots? No. The robots care not for our earthly cheeses. 
I read the new volume of Prophet. How was How it? Is... Sorry, I was doing Watch rubbish job for a change. I haven't read it yet. I don't like the perfunctory nature of you questioning me. It's, it's great. You deserve a turn, but we don't really care. Not as in a go at the podcast, but as in a small seabird. He, <laughs> he, he is entitled to a about yay big, pointy build... Can I, can I have a heel turn? Can I build build up the, the trust of the, the impressionable crowd and then become a villain? No, just a seabird. There's an explosion at the offshore um, cannabis factory. No turn was left unstoned. So they've done like loads of really sparse stories that have sort of slowly been connecting. And in this one, it sort of jumps into the way that... into them all running at the same time. Hmm. With the same artists who did the original stories on them. So right. Simon Roy does the story of the original prophet. And you have... Um, um, <clears throat> basically everyone from volume one back doing the same version of Ooh. the character. Mm-hmm. And then you have some new people in there as well. Volume one is my favourite so far. Um, so you get a lot of the same crowd so you get um, Farrell Dalrymple, Simon Roy and the Greek chap whose name I can never pronounce but you can. Yanis Milanjanis. That's the one. Um, and then I bet I'm getting it wrong. There's quite a lot of James Stokoe in there and various other artists and it jumps throughout stars continuously as it goes on to the different stories. Um, so it has a very very slow lead in where it sort of goes into the backstory of one of the much older characters um, in a lot more depth. And it actually ties together all of the stuff that comes from the original Rob Liefeld stuff in quite a big way. So it, go, it really goes back to all of the slightly teenage, mid-90s Rob Liefeld comics that it's based on. So Youngblood and, um, uh, and all of those. And, and sort of introduces those characters in a very, very... Brandon Graham way, so there's a it's a there's pretty a, long range payoff. There's a there's a thing like character in in those comics mm. called Bad Rock, mm. who is a giant teenager who has been turned into rock and hits people, mm. and in this it's ten thousand years later and he has turned into a planet, and has you know a, a s- sort of cosmic scale battle with a gigantic horrifying leech thing. Oh. Um, is it worth saying that Roger's entire body went rigid when you mentioned Rob Liefeld? It is, yes. I believe it's known as the Liefeld effect. Everything apart from his penis. Of course. Yeah, which remained defiantly limp. You say remained, how do we know he hasn't been packing Just popping a bone this whole time. Exactly. We because don't... it would have been knocking against the table and annoying the microphone. What do you think I've got down there, dude? That's, that's a distance. I assume you've got some sort of expansion pack. Concertina? No, I went for the rumble pack instead. <laughs> you need both to play Donkey Kong 64. I've never heard it called that before. <laughs> so it's great. It jumps jumps uh, amongst all of these different artists. The first two issues are um, another one of the incredibly ancient characters thinking about his past and it sort of catches up on bits of what he's been doing the sort of um the the cyborg character who mm. sort of mm. gradually replaced throughout the whole thing oh who i quite enjoy him contemporary of the the bad rock is character. that boo or sorry no um, i can't remember the character's name it's a rob liefeld character it's death something 
Um, Death pouch, <coughs> probably. Very good. Very good. Deadpool started shooting. The film. Like, he's always shooting in the comics. Um, one of my favourite adaptations of Deadpool ever, I think, was uh, in Marvel vs. Capcom video game, where whenever you do anything that involves him using guns, he just runs around yelling, bang, 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 bang. Which is just lovely. Fourth wall, motherfuckers. Yeah. So, Prophet, um, it's sort of winding into this sort of final uh, big war between the various slight the, the, the various characters that have been introduced throughout the run of the book mm. so far and the Earth Empire and it doesn't show any signs of getting any less big or weird as it does mm. this which is nice it's um, it's still tricky to follow yeah it's not on the easy um, it's not it's not something that does all the work for you um but that's not so. I don't think it's deliberately weird either. I think it balances that quite well. Everything is there if you are sort of willing to either spend the time with it or just let it wash over you as flavour text. Mm. Uh, it is. It's a gorgeous <coughs> book to wallow in. Just let the big weird sci-fi happen to you. It's it's great fun. And that's it. I haven't read anything else. So let's get into really? uh, the sci-fi roundup. I'm moving house. What the fuck oh, do you think yeah. I've been doing? You put them all in boxes. Yeah, I put all my comics in boxes. And you've been divesting yourself of cat. Yes, I have. Are you very sad? Yes. It's okay, we don't have to talk about it. Good. Okay. Sci-fi comics. They exist. We've already talked about quite a lot of them. Yeah. There's, there's a load of interesting stuff at the moment that I haven't had a chance to look at. Um, well, let's definitely talk about the comics we haven't read first. I honestly can't tell if you're being sarcastic anymore. No, let's get them out of the way. All right. So there's um, there's low, which is which recommend. Is, which is new. I think it's just been collected in trade. It's still running. I think. Am I right um, in saying that? I believe so. Um, and that's kind of future dystopian, like far future, or at least the art makes the the, the mad technology instilled in the art. Rick Remender and Greg Tuccini. Looks like it's mad far future. Humanity retreated under the oceans. Now they're sticking their heads above uh, above the surface to go and look at whether it's inhabitable or whether the planets might be. It's kind of quest to find a habitable world. I think it's that, isn't it? So surface of the Earth as an alien landscape. Yeah. I, I think, it, am I getting that wrong? I think I think that's about right. Um, and I haven't. It's on. It's on my list. But I, I flipped through it, and it's gorgeously abstract, scratchy. Like it's exactly the right kind of art for weird, fathomless world. Rick it looks Remender like a lovely thing. Also did Black Science. Which I've not been reading. You, you looked at it. Um, I did. It's kind of a grim uh, take on Fantastic Four style mm. thing. Sort of almost family of scientists, but they're on the run. So it looks Fantastic like what, Four and... It um, looks like what Nowhere Men could have been. Yeah, I did not enjoy Nowhere Men. No, it's bollocks. Um, I did not. But Rick has done tons of... Um, Weird sci-fi stuff. So he did the Captain America run recently, mm. the Dimension Z stuff, which is um, weird alien landscape run by Arnim Zola, and mm. Cap is out of his element, and uh, time moves at a different different pace. It's just... Um, it's kind of nastier and, and weirder and full of fleshy, horrible, organic monsters. There's, um, there's Zombo new... style, or...? Not quite as far gone. 
Um, it's still Marvel, so the main character cannot eat anyone. And to be honest, it would be a bit out of character for Captain America. I was meaning more the weird fleshy death planets covered in hostile flora. It's, it's more like some stuff Warren Ellis did in um, The Ultimates years ago, mm. where there were... Um, these sort of Soviet super soldiers that had just been built around bits of retrieved alien technology. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's very much like that. It's sort of well, flesh and spice Mad Max stuff. He was dusting off rejected concepts from global frequency at that point, I think. Um, eight years ago, uh, Recommender did Fear Agent, um, which was... Uh, Sort of crazy pulp sci-fi with um, an alcoholic spaceman uh, tripping through a whole load of weird stuff. And it was great. Um, and very, very odd. But it was great. Um, You've also got... Um, there's, there's a new Mark Miller thing, which I think is time travel Chrononauts. Um... I didn't like the sound of it, but I've heard good things. Like Ben, Ben was recommending it. Sean, Sean Murphy's the artist, and I really like Sean Murphy. So he did another piece. Is, is that the team up book where you've got the stranded, stranded time travel? Uh, no, you've got two team. two guys invent time travel. And oh, sorry, come yeah. up with a reality oh, it's, TV it's, show. It's science bros do time travel. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's something else which it's already been optioned as a movie, which doesn't. Uh, Mark doesn't Miller, undermine story boards, you say. Criticism of Mark Miller is just churning out concepts for adaptation to film. That someone else will tidy up later. Whatever what, what, what is the thing? It's someone... someone the, um, team up, not necessarily superhero team up, but like action hero or some kind of problem-solving team stranded back in time, but they've had a massive falling out. Newish. Not the Looney Tunes game about time warp for the PlayStation 1. Maybe not. Time Seems unlikely. Bandits? No. Time Bandits is a different thing. Time Bandits it's is a Terry Gilliam film. Oh dear God, it's not that then. No. I can't remember what it's called. I can't remember what this thing is, but it, it looks alright and it might be interesting. There's a new Alice Cot thing as well, isn't there? There's always a new Alice Cot thing. What one do you mean particularly? Some piece of mid-range sci-fi. Is that, you having, is that you having a rectal prolapse? Uh, no, that was... that it all was, comes scrooging out. That, that was me trying to contain your boundless enthusiasm. <laughs> do you mean material? Yes, I do. Okay. I'm sure it's very interesting. I'm sure he's not just throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall to see what sticks because he... Anyway. Oh, I like Alice Cot. I don't think he's, so you know, why. It's just I, I think he's been taken out of the oven a little bit too. Just needs a fucking early. editor. But um, you make it sound like he's made of clay. Uh, he is essentially Warren Ellis, circa nineteen ninety eight. But he's not made of clay. No, no, he's made out of Czechoslovakian twink. Pretty much. You poke him and it it comes back out again. It doesn't stay squidged in. No, it's it's all. It's all tattoos and Euro porn. He's not like bread dough. Uh, so, Mr. Hart, you were saying that you've noticed a sort of general trend from big weird sci-fi, which, again, is just our term for stuff that's a bit like Mobius and was probably made with some drugs, um, to 
smaller, sort of self-contained, the idea's the thing. Yeah, well, or situational drama that happens to be on a sci-fi backdrop, which, as you pointed out, could just as well apply to Saga. And I'm sure to plenty of other things. Um, I thought Manhattan Projects did big and weird. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it was resolutely big, resolutely weird. Yeah. I'm thinking in particular of the fuse of mm. Rochelle Roche Limit of Copperhead. Um, it sounds like time travel bro thing might be of that ilk. Chrononauts. We'll never know, frankly. Um, yeah, why not? Probably. There's a few other things sloshing around at the moment that I don't know how they fit, but I've just noticed there's a lot of intro sci-fi type stuff about. So there's The Empty, I think it's called The Empty. Gorgeous covers, the art itself is so-so. Um, it's been on my list to pick up and I've just not picked it up yet. I, um, there is the thing I was yammering on about some time ago. Uh, time travel thing. Um, Have any of you been keeping up with Odyssey? No? Oh, that's interesting. Yes. I still haven't... Uh... I have been, I've been reading that. It's um, it's sort of hard to call it real sci-fi, because, I mean, there are spaceships and so on, but everything is kind of retrofitting a, a sci-fi explanation to bits of the Odyssey. Mm. So the Cyclops is genetically engineered. That sort of thing. <laughs> the planet, the, the, the Lotus Eaters was interesting. It was a sort of flesh pot brothel planet Mm. that had um, grown out of um, one of the punished gods who are sort of celestial other beings that aren't really explained yet but I think it was essentially um, the Prometheus story Um, the the, the punishment had wound up with this sort of planet growing out of god stuff and Mm -hmm. becoming sort of psychotropic and psychoactive stuff which was quite good fun. That sounds very fractional um, Odyssey is, I mean, if you know the Odyssey, you know what's going to happen. And in mm. that regard, it's kind of the fun is in seeing how it's applied. Sure. Um, and in the artwork. But it's hard to sort of, it's hard to sort of say, oh, it's true big idea sci-fi because mm. it's really not. It's trying to give a different spin to an existing thing and it fits to the template quite hard. Um, that's not to say that it's not good or worth reading, but it's very, very hard to sort of pick out a central sci-fi notion from mm. it. Um, most of it sort of by the by helping them tell the story. So uh, a step further than Fuse, in which it was pretty mm. much by the by. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, it's almost abstract in places, Odyssey. It's very, very tricky mm. um, going in places. There's, um, what else is sloshing around? Descender, we've talked about Descender before. Mm-hmm. I have very high hopes for it, even if it is kind of like much more beautiful Mass Effect fanfic. Um, <laughs> have you read any of the actual Mass Effect comics? No. Worth it? Mm, probably not, unless you really, 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 really like the games. They're not... Well, I, lo- I did like the games, but the, the visual design and the realisation of the world is so fucking anodyne. Mm. I mean, deliberately so in places. The Citadel is obviously deliberately bland. But... Mm. It's... Yeah, it was interesting having played the games to read one of the comics, but it wasn't sort of mind-bending. Um, have 2000 AD been doing anything else recently that's sci-fi and good? I don't know if they've been doing any other sort of big sci-fi. So Brass Sun was sort of the big one that came out uh, of them recently in terms of new stuff. So obviously Dread's ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got Strontium Dog running again, which is more sort of vaguely Dread universe sci-fi, though it's set at a different time 
um, which makes it easier to keep separate. Um, Um, so I read um, Nameless, which is oh, yes. that looks promising. Uh, Grant Morrison's uh, sci-fi sort of Lovecraftian thing. There's a big, horrible asteroid coming towards Earth that seems to be sentient in its calf with hideous runes. Um, and a mission is sent into space with a sort of con-man-come-magician called Nameless, who is there as the, the, the sort of magic specialist. Uh, and shit is going badly wrong very, very fast. Um, How far along is that? It's two or three issues in, um, and it's pacey. A lot's happened in in the first couple of issues. and You mentioned the first issue, and it sounded promising. Is it held it? Yeah. it's It stayed very much in sort of sci-fi horror mold. Um, it's much less weird than you might expect mm. from Grant Morrison without anything to prove. Um, it's good. I like it. I think it's good. There's a new volume of Armour out soon. Yes. So that's been the publish. It's the publication up. date has been pinging around all over all over the shop. It was meant to be out in March. Wasn't well, it? I was expecting. So so far, it's been out at Thorpe level every year. So I just assumed it'll be out in October. But um, I think it's meant to finish this year in, in translation. Um, so four volumes be, total. Yeah, I could buy that. Because at the moment it's wending its way towards genuinely horrific, sort of somewhere between Gaia Hypothesis and Wrath of Khan style planetary sentience hoo ha. Um, but there are crazy ass murder robots at the end of volume two. Who doesn't like murder robots? I like murder robots. You, mm. You've got a t shirt with a murder robot on it. Yeah, 3F by robot. Precisely. Precisely. Now, Turtle Environment is its one of the things I'm anticipating the most strongly this year. I, I've jizzed myself silly about the prospect of injection. I'm, I'm looking forward to it tremendously. It would have to really go some to let me down. Armour, Volume 3, likewise. I, the first two are just so good. Even when the narrative gets a little bit too in Cal, it's gorgeous. How does one jizz oneself silly? I don't know, maybe running around in a spiral. Mm. I'm not sure. Sean Murphy, who... You can try and catch it in your hand. Oh, good God. Under the spreading chestnut tree, the village idiot sat, amusing himself by abusing himself and catching it in his hat. Sean Murphy, who's the artist on Chrononauts, uh, did a... um, uh, did a book uh, a year or so ago called um, Punk Rock Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, is it? Is it punk rock Jesus? Yeah, it is. It might be rock and roll Jesus. No, it's punk rock Jesus. Punk rock Jesus, um, which basically had uh, a reality TV company um, cloning Jesus, of uh, and and uh, uh, keeping him in a sort of secret offshore facility, and uh, how does society react to the second coming of Jesus as a sort of scientific creation? How, how does society react? Not well. Oh. Uh, in a variety of ways is the answer. Um, it is... It's, 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 it's worth reading. It's probably... It's not sort of super great. And it's sort of fairly unambiguously written by someone whose faith has just gone kaploey. So. 
So it's that three-panel joke from towards the end of Preacher extended into a premise. Well, except the Christ clone, or the, the, the current Christ, is the protagonist. Oh. So, um, it's essentially what happens. It's, it's more sort of about personal freedom hmm. in that regard. But... Not shitting in a hanky. No, and not yelling kapla or whatever that thing yeah. Preacher does say. That's not good. Um, if you had to recommend one sci-fi comic right now... What would it be? Probably armor. Armor, Ferret Peters, armor. Yeah, it's 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 that kind of slightly incally, semi-incoherent, slightly trippy, big weird universe stuff. But it's got actually a reasonably tight story. It's got some interesting feeling, and it just looks lovely. You. I'm going to say The Fuse, because what I actually want to recommend you is a good detective story rather than anything that's massively sci-fi. You've already heard what we had to say about it as sci-fi, but I still really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. You. I'm going to say Transmetropolitan. It's quite old, but there's an election coming up and you people need to you know, know oh, how awful yeah, that is. Oh, yeah, that's pretty raw. It's pretty bad. I've been rereading it lately. I've been trying to sort of finally collect all of the trades. I thought you meant at least at least a semi-recent one. We have the whole, the whole range, but no, no. I've been reading the this sort of very first election story in there, and it's just not nice. It's not. None of it is nice. It's glorious, but it's not nice. And bits of it just keep lapping and go up against the edges of reality, and it's just yeah. very, very unpleasant. Well, people, we've covered a, a wide range of things, some of which will make it into the final cut of this. Mm. Um, we've covered everyone's genitals. Bird noises. I think at some point, bird noises. What did we cover them with? Marmite. Hot sauce. No, you're meant to put jizz on the potato unrelated to the marmite. The marmite is purely secondary. <laughs> you can put the marmite on your dick before you jizz onto the potato if you want, but it might end up yeasty. Oh. It's more yeast than you need down there. What you preferably need is the natural yeast, but not so it goes out of balance. Yeah, That's what you want. Is this Ayurvedic cock yeast? Well, I was thinking more about holistic. my uh, fungal hole. That's what I'm it's calling a national it trust property, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Parking's terrible of a bank holiday. Jesus. Don't on the velvet ropes. I don't even know where I'm going with that. No. No. You're showing a very crude understanding of human anatomy as well. Um, so we've had that. We've Do you know had... what is really velvety? Legitimately a hamster's scrotum. Really? Yeah. They are like soft and fuzzy and delightful. And I'm not admitting that I used to molest my hamster. But if you But were... if it happened by accident, what was the crime? Was there any crime? <laughs> I don't think there was a crime. <laughs> 